It is 1989. New music lovers from everywhere have gathered together in Amsterdam for the Gaudiamus Music Week. On stage, a young Chinese composer. Behind him, a large orchestra. He sings into the piano. Audience and musicians listen spellbound. This is the then totally unknown Tan Dun. His piece on Taoism creates a sensation at the festival. A contrabassoon emerges from the lowest register, together with a damp piano and subtle percussion. Following the vocal evocation of the beginning, it creates a musical world we had no idea of. My name is Joel Bons, a composer from Amsterdam. In this podcast, I'd like to take you on a journey, a journey I made in 1988. I was very fortunate that Gaudiamus sent me to Hong Kong to attend the ICM World Music Days. They needed a representative of the Dutch section of the ICM, and I was happy to travel there because after that I could visit China on my own. In Hong Kong, I met young composers like Tan Dun, and Mo Wuping. They were totally unknown to me. They recommended me all their composer friends in Beijing and Shanghai and Chengdu and Xi'an. It turned out to be an amazing experience. I heard so many new sounds and music that I had no idea of. Actually, before traveling there, I had no idea if there were any composers in China at all. So I came back to Holland with a large suitcase full of cassettes, recordings and scores, and I shared these with my friends of the new ensemble. We asked seven composers to write a new piece for us, which we presented in 1991. It was a huge success. Their music was so fresh and full of evocative sounds from China, mixing with Western elements. You would think they could not be combined, but they were combined by their inventive and curious minds. They were in a very special moment of their development, just emerging from the Cultural Revolution and being very eager to experiment and explore their own creativity. So here are a few examples of what we then presented, at first in Holland and later around the world.
Guess who is the composer of this wild and mind-blowing music? You might not know him now, but I'm sure you will at the end of this podcast. Let's get back to the moment in 1988 when I had no idea yet of what was ahead of me. After attending the 10-day festival in Hong Kong, I would finally cross the border to that huge and intriguing country, the People's Republic of China. My first stop was Shanghai. This is the sound I woke up to my first morning in China. It's what you heard back then at the campus of the Shanghai Conservatory. There were meetings arranged for me with musicians and young composers. The young composer are only... Oh, here's the young composer. Let me introduce you. This is the young composer, Xu Suya. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, Mr. Xu Suya. He's yes. the one of the promising young composers in China. Yes. And uh, wrote a lot of uh, new pieces. Xu Suya was then in his 20s. In class, he presented his big orchestral piece, Waiting in Autumn, which impressed me. 25 years later, he became the director of the same conservatory of Shanghai. Today, he is one of the internationally most recognized Chinese composers, receiving commissions from orchestras like the New York Philharmonic. We worked a lot together, and here is a part of what I think one of his best pieces, Vacuité Consistance, in which he creates a shimmering sound world of fascinating glissandi. Glissandi are often used in Chinese music and appear in a great variety. Chinese language is a tonal language. In order to differentiate meaning, the same character can be pronounced with a different pitch. Sliding up, sliding down, with a special curve, or neutral. Glissandi are thus a natural part of the musical vocabulary. When I met him, Shusuya was about to leave for France to continue his studies and broaden his horizon. Hence the title in French, Vacuité Consistance. The idea for this piece came from the philosophy of Lao Tzu and is similar with the conception of Kong Ying, empty fool, of Buddhism. Vacuité represents the emptiness, space and silence, while consistance means fullness, movement and rhythm, which is expressed in the pandemonium in the middle of the piece with lots of Chinese gongs.
Another composer from Shanghai is Chen Qigang. Born in 1951, he studied with Olivier Messiaen, who was already long retired when he was introduced to this young Chinese composer-to-be. Messiaen was the first person who encouraged me to compose truthfully and find myself, Chen Qigang said. Gradually, I discovered that as a Chinese person, my own traditional music is full of character and completely different from anything in Western culture. In turn, Messiaen praised him. Chen's compositions display real inventiveness, great talent and a total assimilation of Chinese thinking to European musical concepts. This is Poem Lyric 2. What exactly do we hear here? Let's dive into this music which is full of sensitive and subtle details. The piece starts out with a soft open sound, the static interval of a fifth. Two tones, five steps apart. It gives a calm and spacious feeling. A piccolo and a glassy violin enter. One tone slides down, one up, and a cymbal is added. Next comes a bouncing upward glissando in the violin, a flutter tongue in the piccolo going down, and a harp. Smoothly, another fifth comes in on top. Here, little inflections sliding up and down. And now, the composer gradually introduces vibrato. And then a new harmony is introduced, changing the landscape completely. Let's listen again to this whole section. The musical material is quite basic and simple. It's all about color and refined instrumentation. Now see if you can catch all the subtleties in Chen Qigang's Poem Lyric 2.
You're listening to the recording of the Magical World premiere on the 2nd of April 1991 in Paradiso, Amsterdam. Ed Spaniard was conducting the new ensemble and the Chinese baritone Xi Kelong was the singer. This piece is based on three elements. The poem itself, written by Su Shi, a renowned Chinese poet of the Song dynasty. He wrote poem lyric almost 1,000 years ago. Then the voice, singing a recitativo style specific to the Beijing opera, which was developed during the 18th century. The falsetto part is spoken or sung with a special richness of expression. And then a small western ensemble, which offers, as the composer says, a wide range of expressive options comparable to the human voice. Although the music unfolds organically, Chen Qigang at the same time embraces a large spectrum of styles and idioms, which he seamlessly combines into a coherent musical universe.
some point we seem to listen to an American minimalist composer, but then we're back in China. For some listeners, this may be unbearable kitsch, but surprisingly, I have never met anyone in China who knows this concept. It just doesn't seem to exist. Perhaps such a judgment is merely a limited Western view. <laughs> After Shanghai, I travel north for my next adventure. Here I visit Mo Wuping. He lives with his wife in a loft at the conservatory, a stony box with only a very small window, no water, no kitchen, nothing. China is poor, they say, America, Europe, rich. But showing me Beijing, Mo Wuping pays for the park, the drink, the metro and a delicious meal in a restaurant with all kinds of spicy dishes, such as fish head soup. Back home we practice the names of Chinese composers. Good composer? I ask. Good, good, replies Mo. Or sometimes, no. We make copies of his tapes and he sings songs from Hunan, the region where he was born. I was so moved that I asked him to write a piece for the new ensemble with his singing. Plucked instruments, mandolin, guitar and harp, a specialty of the new ensemble, he used as if they were Chinese instruments.
Now for this piece, Fan, Mo Wuping used a folk song from the region of North Shaanxi. Here is a recording from 1954. At the end of Mo Wuping's Fan One, this melody is sung by the composer himself. A year later, Mo Ping wrote another fan, number two, this time completely instrumental. He was living in Paris, working in a Chinese restaurant to earn some money, composing during the night. His wife and baby boy were back in Beijing. Now this song is about a faraway love. At the end of fan two, the melody recurs, this time in the bass clarinet, giving a very melancholy feeling. More whooping. This talented composer tragically died of liver cancer in Beijing in 1993. He was only 33 years old. Eighteen hundred kilometers southwest of Beijing, we find Chengdu, the capital of Sichuan. Here I will meet Gao Weiji, a noble composer whom I met in Hong Kong, 
He is head of the composition department of the conservatory. On my way to him, I cycle across a market where live chicken and geese are stuffed into bicycle bags or weighed hanging down in large trusses. Frogs, snakes, dogs and skinny cats are traded as foodstuffs. But the soundscape of this market is music to my ears. Finally, I reach the old conservatory building. Gawaiji lives on the fifth floor. Gao Eiji was born in 1938. So when Mao Zedong came to power in 1949 and the People's Republic was founded, he was only 11 years old. I'm curious how his musical education took place and where. This conservatory, 1950s. That was during uh, the first years of Mao. Ah, yes. Studying also Bach and Beethoven. In that time, I can only research some Russian composers. He plays an orchestral piece from 1960 to me, which was not performed until last year. Why was that? Many people think that this, this music is too new in that time. Too new? Too new. Too Western. What does he think about uh, this piece now? Does he still like it? Too old. In 1966, Mao Zedong initiated the so-called Cultural Revolution, which sounds more promising than it was. It was to remove counter-revolutionary elements in Chinese society, and it lasted for ten years. There was a widespread destruction of cultural artifacts. Tens of millions of people were persecuted. During the Cultural Revolution, yes. we stopped this education to learn Western music. Our teachers was to farm. Yes. <laughs> and you were a teacher? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. From when, yes. from which year did he mm. teach here? Sixty. And then? <laughs> from 66, he became a anti-revolutionist. Anti-revolutionist. <laughs> <laughs> but what did he do as profession? Uh, work. Labor. 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 Like what? In, in the farm? In the farm. Mm. In the farm. Uh, outside Chengdu? Mm. Countryside. Mm. Or mm. put on a small room. Put on a jail. The room was a jail? Something no. like a jail. Not a formal jail. Uh, not formal jail. In our school. Or in yeah. a school. A small room. It was here? Oh, yeah. yes. Why, why was he put in the small room? Because people said that he's an anti-revolutionist. And he had to learn all the revolutionary rules again. Yeah, yeah. Bad man means bad man. <laughs> bad man. <laughs> so we lose the free, freedom. Free. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And did he try to write still? Mm. 
心里头写，但是没法写成谱子。Writing hard. Yes. Writing hard. No composition. No composition. 所以这一个这一段时间对我们的损失是非常大的。It's a very very large waste. Waste of time. Waste of time. Waste of time. In this during the ten years. Yes. Cannot compose. The story of Gawaiji is exemplary for many artists of his generation. How different it was for the next generation. The Cultural Revolution finally came to an end in 1976 with Chairman Mao's death. When his successor Deng Xiaoping introduced the open door policy in 1978, thousands of culture-hungry young Chinese applied to study at the Beijing Central Conservatory. Only a few were granted admission. Among the lucky ones were Tandun, Mo Wuping, Chen Qigang, and Go Wenjing. with crazy detuned mandolin, violin and viola is the fourth movement of Goenjing's Shouho. Like Gawaiji, Goenjing is born in the rough and mountainous province of Sichuan. But born in 1956, he is 18 years younger than his older colleague. During the Cultural Revolution, he was in his teens, hearing songs of boatmen on the Yangtze River and sounds of violent street fights. He started to learn to play the violin and soon began to write music, mostly model operas for revolutionary purposes. From age 15, Guo played in and worked with the song and dance troupe in his birthplace, Chongqing. It gave me continual practice and I was able to check all the time how my music sounded in performance. They let us play all day, he says. And I love the music. For me personally, the Cultural Revolution was a benevolent period. surely not a model opera, but outdoor funeral music for Sean Band. It's the kind of folk music that Guo is fond of. About the piece that he wrote for the new ensemble, Guo says, Shouho is an old Chinese performing tradition intended as a ritual of thanksgiving for the gods. It took place in front of a temple or on an open stage in the countryside. Its content was usually based on historic tales. In this work, various percussion instruments of Beijing and Sichuan opera are used. Let's listen to the fifth movement. 
I love the freedom and wildness of this piece. It starts out with a stuttering mandolin, soon to be joined by clattering cymbals and other percussion. Before too long, howling violence take over. flutter like crazy. Kewo was the first piece Goenjing wrote for us. It was actually the very first time we got to know any of his music. You can imagine how baffled we were by its sheer creativity and originality. In concert, it had an enormous impact. The dramatic power and theatrical quality of this piece led to the idea to ask Go if he would be interested to write a chamber opera. This turned out to be his big dream. It would take him a few years to write it and we scheduled it for 1994. As you surely have noticed, Chinese composers are masters in the use of their percussion instruments, a wide variety of cymbals, gongs, toms and smaller instruments that are used in traditional Chinese opera. But some of them build their own instruments or use unconventional material such as paper. Written in 1994, this is paper music by Tandun, who was developing his art in New York. Like his ceramic music with self-made instruments and water music, Tandun's paper music is composed only with natural resources, papers, stones and human voices. John Cage said of him, 
What is very little heard in European or Western music is the presence of sound as the voice of nature. It is clear in the music of Tandun that sounds are central to the nature in which we live, but to which we have too long not listened. Tan's playing is inspired by the shamanistic and ritual traditions he experienced as a child in Si Mao village of central Hunan province. To blow the paper and to do it with rubbing, cracking, shaking, crumbling, tearing, popping, puckering, fingering, hitting, waving, slapping, plucking, whistling and swinging is so much fun and is better than a full orchestra plus a high-budget electronic studio, he says. just one early example of Tandun's inexhaustible fantasy and imagination. His subsequent development and career has been astounding and is well known. Today he is conducting all major orchestras in the world and flying around like a superstar. For the soundtrack of the film Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon he received an Oscar. Sometimes he is criticized for being too slick and commercial. But Tan is an incredibly clever and creative mind and he has been surprising his audiences again and again with wildly diverse projects in which dance, Beijing opera, video art all have their place. In the year that Tandun wrote paper music, Goen Jing completed his chamber opera Wolf Cup Village. We received big envelopes full of Chinese stamps containing scores and parts beautifully handwritten in black ink with rice paper between the pages. Wolfcup Village turned out to be Guo's masterpiece. It is based on the short story Diary of a Madman by Lu Xun, the first novel written in China in 1918. Lu Xun addresses the problems of Chinese cruelty. A man, the writer of the diary, sees everyone around him as a man-eater. He is declared crazy, but in fact... His view of the world is quite lucid. I'd like to play you one of my favorite passages. It's from the middle of the second scene. The madman panics. They want to eat human flesh. If they want to eat other people, maybe they'll eat me too. You hear him shouting to the people around him, Sijen, man-eaters. And then he hears the voice of his dead sister. Chang, 
The end of the second scene of Goenjing's Wolf Cup Village, recorded live at the Holland Festival 1994. Ed Spaniard conducted the new ensemble with Chinese and Western soloists, among whom Nigel Robson as the Madman and Elena Wink as Ghost of the Dead Sister. Today it is difficult to imagine that in 1990 hardly anyone in the West had heard of these Chinese composers. When the breakthrough came, they seemed to appear out of thin air. But as we know now, there had been an incredible development going on. They had been working and composing for many, many years. But their debut on Western concert stages was a big surprise and their music hit like a bomb. This podcast focused mainly on my first trip to China and our collaboration with the new Chinese generation of composers at the beginning of the 1990s. It was an incredibly fruitful encounter with many new perspectives. A lucky moment in which the circumstances were just right. The Chinese were eager to write for our ensemble, and we were very curious about their musical creations. This meeting had major consequences for our future, and, in all modesty, I think for theirs too. In the years that followed, we continued to work together and explore new possibilities by combining Chinese and Western instruments something that was already common practice for them, but not for us. It led into entirely new territory, and adventures such as collaborations with a complete Chinese orchestra and with other Asian musicians and their local instruments. But that is something for another podcast. This one ends here. In 1997, we came full circle by performing the music of these great composers for the first time in their home country. Chinese audiences were thrilled. Back in Holland, we played a new work by the then 22-year-old Chinese composer Zhu Hang. His 18 arhats promptly won the Gaudiamus Prize, making it the very first Chinese composition to win this award. (laughs) 